Ever wondered who and what is shaping Luxembourg? This is your Lux Unplugged podcast with your hosts, Adrian and Thierry. Hi, I'm Thierry. And I'm Adrian. This week, I'm talking to Kevin Muller, founder and CEO at Passport. Can you tell us a little bit more about your conversation with Kevin? Kevin walks us through his early work experience at the French Ministry of Foreign Affairs in India that led him to start his first business, where he created his agile open source business called Passport. Yes, interestingly, the Passport journey started out as a success story within the software developer community before it expanded towards the end-user space. I really liked his narration on the Fit for Start scheme, an acceleration program in Luxembourg focusing on information and communications technology startups. I believe everyone wanting to start up a business in Luxembourg should consider applying for these programs, as generous support is provided throughout the journey. And now, without further ado, my conversation with Kevin Muller, founder and CEO at Passport. Kevin, uh, thank you for taking your time to join us here on the Lux Unplugged podcast. Hey, Thierry, thanks for having me. For those who don't know you, uh, a question we always ask is, how would you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Kevin, uh, Kevin Muller, CEO and co-founder of Passbolt. Uh, now I've been living in Luxembourg for the past few years, to be exact. In simple terms, uh, how would you describe your business, uh, Passbolt? So Passbolt, in simple terms, it's a password manager for teams. We like to say that it is the WordPress of password management. It is like WordPress because it's a password manager that follows the same model in the sense that it is open source. It can be installed on any server, any computer quite easily. It is self-hosted, so uh, people can control their, their data. And Passbolt has also built uh, for developers first, and it's API-centric. So that's why it has become lately quite popular uh, among community of developers, because after installing it, they can play with it, uh, they can develop some tooling about it. Uh, we all know that in DevOps community, people like to play uh, a lot with the tools they are having. They like to build on top of their software. So this is exactly what they can do with Passbolt. Uh, and this is, what, this is why it has become quite viral and quite popular with the developers community. Your main source of users will then be people that work in tech? Not exactly. Um, basically, we always say that we are developers first, but not developers only. We are developers first because in modern companies, developers and uh, DevOps people are the ones who basically select the tools that they want to use. You know, they, they like to say we are agile. Uh, they need to move fast. So agile teams, we need to move fast. They like to adopt their software themselves. And most of the time, they have a budget to do so. So when it comes uh, to password management, they are also the ones that are the most exposed to uh, password management issues. An average DevOps team needs to handle hundreds, sometimes thousands of not only passwords, but credentials on a daily basis. These credentials, they can be, uh, it can go from SSH certificates to uh, API tokens or to normal uh, web credentials to identify on the platform. So because they need to uh, solve their password management issues and because most of the, the platforms available in the market are uh, consumer oriented, uh, so far they were not really a solution that uh, is compatible with uh, their problems. 
they, they need to integrate the solution in their infrastructure. They need to host it on their server. They need to build on top of it, which is why they would they would always prefer to go for open source. So these DevOps teams and developer teams, they are the ones who usually select Passbolt because they have a cultural alignment with it. They share the same values in terms of the open source values, but also the, the, the deep technical values uh, that they have. They need to understand the, the technicalities of their system. So they are the ones who will adopt Passbolt. They will start using it among themselves initially. And then there will be a kind of expansion phase where developers will start identifying, hey, but we can also use it with the non-tech people in our organization. Hey, but you know, my manager, he always forgets also the password for the multiple systems he has to use on a daily basis. So that's when also they start inviting the other personas of the organization. And uh, from the DevOps team, we expand to other teams and uh, other type of uh, profiles. The type of propagation we have inside companies is very similar to what Slack is doing. You know, initially Slack, when they released the first version, they were targeting a lot of the technical teams, telling them, hey, you know, tech Slack, because Slack is good, you'll be able to integrate it. You'll be able, you know, to uh, connect your tools, your favorite tools uh, on top of it. So this is the, the same with Passbolt. And is there a minimum limit of teams that are using Passbolt? Well, Passbolt is very typical open source software. Um, we have Passbolt Community Edition. Uh, it's fully open source, fully free, no strings attached, uh, as we like to say, which means that you can basically download it, install it on your server. There is no tracker. We don't even know what our users are doing with Passbolt Community Edition. You can invite as many users as you want and develop as many connections as you want. That's uh, your problem. We don't monetize Passbolt Community Edition. Uh, what we monetize are the software that are based on community, uh, the Community Edition, which are Passbolt Enterprise Edition and Passbolt Cloud. So basically, these two other versions uh, offer more features, and usually they are more like enterprise type of features. Uh, your experience in India uh, after your graduation, and often you, you get that because people want to travel before they want to start up a business or work in a business. Uh, can you tell us a bit about that experience? I studied in uh, the, the University of Metz. First experience in India, in India were, was right after my studies in Metz. I finished my uh, studies in Limerick. And after that, I needed to uh, do an internship, like many students. I didn't really know where to go, but I definitely knew one thing. It was that uh, I like to travel and uh, Ireland uh, was a fantastic experience. So from there, I sent a few resumes. India kind of popped up in the middle uh, through someone I met in Ireland. So I decided, hey, let's, let's look at the map and see uh, what is cool in India. I didn't know much about the country yet. I checked uh, organizations, you know, around Chennai, around Bombay, and some in the Kerala. I sent a few resumes and uh, on the same day, I was basically called by an organization the same day where, uh, which I sent my resume. They were like, hey, you know what? We are, we are really looking for someone like you. Can you please come and help us? So I started there as an intern a project manager for the, ministry, the French Ministry of Foreign Affairs. And I was posted at the Alliance Francaise of Chennai. And I handled the management of an e-learning project. And basically, at the end of this uh, internship, they offered me a job. But I was already kind of an entrepreneur at heart. So despite the fact that they were offering me a job, 
I told them, hey, you know what? Uh, if you are offering me a job, it's definitely that you have a budget. So if you have a budget, if you don't mind, I would like to start my own uh, show here in Chennai and uh, we will work together, but you will be a contractor. Are you up for it? And they were like, yeah, okay, you know, let's do that. So for me, it gave me the, the opportunity to, to start my business. Initially, I was alone, started, uh, continued alone for a few months. You know, at that time, it was in 2005. It was kind of the, the gold rush for India. There were many European companies and many French companies who were looking for an outsourcing partner. And the company I had started was all about providing outsourcing services, like making the actual website development, web development in India, but in French language. French people are not uh, that comfortable in English. They are improving. But at that time, in 2005, they were not at all comfortable working in English. But for some reason, they were very interested by working with India. So because the demand was there, uh, we grew quite a lot quite fast. I started alone and four years later, we were above 50 people split between Chennai and Delhi. Why did you choose um, Luxembourg instead of uh, Switzerland, example, for, for the business uh, that you're now involved in? Actually, it's Luxembourg that chose me, I think. What happened is, so Passbolt is a software that was born in my web agency. When we were based in Delhi, we were working with a decent bunch of customers. And for each new project, they were giving us all their passwords. And we were literally drowning under these passwords. And at the time, I met with my team and we were like, okay, how can we do something about it? Because every five seconds, I have someone in my office asking me, hey, where is the last, the last version of this password? Hey, where did the customer send uh, the passwords to connect to his server? And we had a big productivity problem. And at the same time, we identified that security-wise, it was also uh, problematic. So initially, Passbolt was um, born as an in-house project to fix our own issues. And every time we were... So after that, uh, instead of a customer sending us the passwords by email, we started asking them, okay, now we have, we have this software, uh, you know, you have to use it to share your passwords with us. And every time we are using it with someone, they were like, hey, why, you know what, what is your software? We have been looking for something like this. Uh, can you share the source code with us? And we are not intending of making it a startup. So we started sharing the, the source code with everyone. And to our surprise, we started receiving emails from people that we didn't even know. People from all over the world. Hey, you know, I've had your source code. Uh, do you mind adding this feature for us? Do you mind doing this for us? And at that point, we realized we were like, okay, uh, there is real traction for this. So at that time, I contacted my co-founders and in Luxembourg. They were also childhood friends. And we uh, decided to uh, work on it together. So we, we did that for a few months. And basically what happened is once we had the first version of Passbolt that was uh, production ready, we launched it online as a fully open source project. There was no question about monetization at the time. It was more of a test. The reaction of the market was quite positive. We started talking to a few people. Uh, some of our customers were based in Luxembourg actually, and they told us, hey, did you hear about the Fit for Start program? Uh, in our mind, we knew at the time that if we wanted to be serious about Passbolt, if we wanted to be serious about the cybersecurity company, uh, we had to move away from India to Europe and more specifically probably uh, Switzerland or Luxembourg. 
these were the two countries that we, we had identified. So coincidentally, we heard about the Fit for Start program. At that time, I was uh, doing a trip in Europe. So I was like, okay, let's go meet the Lux Innovation people and see what they have to say. So we came, we applied, we pitched at Fit for Start, we got selected. And uh, what was your experience on the Fit for Start program? Fit for Start program for us was insightful. And I'm being very honest here because I think when we launched Passbolt, you know, we were like, Many startups were a bit in love with our product. Uh, we had been developing it intensively for months, and uh, we almost forgot that we were doing it for a market. You know, uh, we had no answer to how are we gonna monetize it? Are we going to monetize it? Who are our end users really? Because you know. We are at the time where the, the password managers were getting very popular. So a few basic questions were there. Uh, are we a one password? Uh, are we a last pass? What are we? How do we exist in this market? And I think Fit for Start was really useful for us uh, to help us understand what we are doing, for who, uh, what is our market, and to challenge all the assumptions we are having. I think as a, when you begin a startup, You always have this thing, you are in love with your project, you think you know everything. And Fit for Stars for us, it gave us really the uh, opportunity, which is very rare in an entrepreneur life, to sit down, take some distance, and ask yourself the right questions. So the coaches are there to help you do that. Uh, you will sit in the room, uh, you will be with the other startups participating to the program, and they will be like, okay, now you don't talk to us, the coach will talk to the other, to the other entrepreneurs. You explain to them what you are doing and they will challenge you. Extremely insightful, this exercise. So not only this, obviously, Fit for Start also brings you like some um, methodology, the lean methodology, how to uh, answer your question with the least possible investments, how to move fast, how to be agile. And once again, this is not something, this is not an exercise you do every day in the life of an entrepreneur. It's, for some entrepreneurs, it almost never happens. So uh, doing this at the beginning of the life of a startup, extremely useful, I think. And obviously, at the moment, we are in a, in a, in a pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, do you think that is an opportunity for companies to promote services similar to what Passport is doing? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think the, the pandemic is terrible uh, for a lot of people, but definitely uh, businesses and startups betting on the digitalization uh, and fixing problems that are related to digitalization are going to benefit for uh, periods like this. Um, in our case, uh, the pandemic happened right in the middle of a fundraising. Very unfortunately, because uh, we're about, I mean, we are not far from closing around. When the pandemic started, you know, we had a few of the investors we are discussing with uh, who came up and they were like, well, you know, uh, the future is very uncertain. Uh, sorry to say, but we cannot move ahead right now. We need to wait. And basically, they just kept waiting and the deal didn't happen. So this is a terrible situation to be for a startup because you depend on your cash flow and you need to, to keep investing. You need to keep spending to execute your business plan, you know, and to, uh, to get growth. So the pandemic started. Uh, the first three weeks to one month were extremely full of uncertainty for us. Uh, all our sales almost literally stopped. Usually, we are droning under the number of requests 
um, or support. We receive a lot of emails, we receive a lot of demands from people. Uh, they want to do this, they want to do that. So th there is a lot of co inbound communication coming towards us. When the pandemic started, it was really scary because everything literally stopped for weeks. Uh, Passbolt is a remote tool. It helps people work remotely. It basically fixes some use cases like that uh, uh, the pandemic highlighted, like everyone is at home. How do you share your credentials uh, in a secure way, you know? Uh, Passbolt is optimized for collaboration. So these are use cases that the tool handles perfectly. And so after these few weeks of uncertainty where uh, nothing was happening, the order, the opposite phenomenon started happening. Like we, all the requests uh, started coming back up and even more than before. So during that period, we basically did around threefold uh, in terms of numbers compared to what we were doing before. So for us, it was definitely kind, kind of a boost. Passport recently secured additional funding of uh, 1 million euros. What are your next uh, milestones that you want to achieve with the company? First of all, Passport has a very weird problem for a startup. There are a lot of startups that struggle to uh, get leads and uh, to find customers to buy it. Um, but because Passport is, as I said, it's a bit like the WordPress of the password managers. And like WordPress, uh, it has some popularity among its users and developers. And so we have a bit of an opposite problem compared to uh, many other startups. Our problem is that the software in itself is very popular. Uh, this generates a lot of demand, a lot of communication. And our problem is basically that we have a lot of people contacting us on a daily basis, asking for all sorts of things that we are not capable of delivering because we are a small team. And uh, this, is where we this is why we decided to raise funds. It's basically to answer the demand and be able to deliver the features that uh, people are asking us to deliver. So if you go to our website, you will see that we have a public roadmap. Uh, it's a roadmap that we are designing uh, on a monthly basis with our community of users and with our customers by measuring the traction of each functionality. So what's happening is community of users is looking at this roadmap and they are very impatient to get uh, X or Y feature. So when they get too impatient, they contact us. And uh, that's our problem. We are flooded with basically people requesting us, hey, you know, I am dying without this feature. Can you please deliver it? You've been saying that you will, you will deliver it for a while now. Can we please have it? And this is uh, very stressful for us because uh, we don't want to disappoint them. So we need to have more velocity. We need to have more developers in our team. Basically, we need to handle more load. This is the, the purpose of uh, this additional funding. And anyone interested in your company, uh, where should they go? Who should they contact? On the website. So uh, www.passbolt.com. Uh, as any open source project, we have an extensive documentation. Uh, lots of uh, documentation about our API, about uh, what you can do with the tool. Um, and obviously, the best way to uh, see what Passable can do is still to download it and to start using it. As this podcast is um, obviously about the businesses, the people, but also uh, about the country itself. And uh, a question that we always like to ask before we wrap up is, uh, what are your favorite things about Luxembourg? I would say 
I, in Luxembourg, I liked the fact that uh, it's a, a human-sized country, you know. It's a small country and uh, I think everyone is very easily accessible. You know, you need to talk to someone. Uh, they are never far away. Even in, in the highest ranks of the ministry or in the governments, it, it's quite easy to get your way through and, and, and talk to the right people uh, in any kind of organization. Um, also, one thing that I respect the, the most it is the, the fact they put their wallet where their mouth is. Uh, and we have seen this kind of pivot that they are trying to take with the startup nation orientation, uh, making Luxembourg interesting and attractive for startups, for people who work in innovation. I think they are uh, doing a lot of things in that direction and they are doing it right. The Fit for Start is a good example of it, but there are also so many other tools around Fit for Start. Uh, the Luxembourg government is giving so many grants. You have the IOS, which is a R&D grant. You have the GE, Jeune Entreprise Innovante, uh, which is basically 800, 800k euros grant for startups who have raised uh, a bit of money. So I don't, I don't know many other countries uh, that are providing uh, similar tools, you know, being for financing yourself as a startup or uh, to come here and get in touch with the right people and, you know, really... Uh, uh, help you manage the growth. And for someone who plans to move to Luxembourg or even establish a startup, what, what would your advice be to them? First, come here, uh, take the time to understand the ecosystem, to get connected with the people, understand how things work, understand uh, who does what. Everyone here is super friendly, super approachable. So this is definitely something that, that is easy to do. Uh, and take the time to visit a bit around. I mean, Luxembourg is a fantastic country. Fantastic. Uh, Kevin, uh, thank you very much uh, again for taking your time to speak to us. And uh, hopefully we can speak again uh, later this year and see uh, what all exciting things happened in, uh, in uh, 2021. Sure, absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Luxembourg podcast. Please share this podcast with friends and family and leave us a review on iTunes. Also, please don't forget to visit our website, luxunplugged.com. And see you next time. Mm-hmm.